This episode is brought to you by Element. That's L-M-N-T. What's Element? Element is the product that came into my life at exactly the right moment. I've been training hard. I've been sweating like a maniac. But unfortunately, after my sessions, I could never kick that feeling of dehydration. It didn't matter how much water I drank. In fact, the more water I drank, the worse it got. My body was telling me, you need more. You need electrolytes. But I refused to go and buy some sugary sports drink and put that garbage into my body. Enter Element. What's Element? It's a tasty electrolyte drink mix. That's right. I said tasty. They have seven different flavors. My personal favorite is mango chili. But most importantly, it's got no sugar. It's got no gluten. It's got no garbage. It's got no guilt. Take it. You'll feel better. You won't feel like a bum after you drink it. You won't feel any guilt after taking it. To get your element today, go to drinklmnt.com backslash George Mahoney. Again, that's drinklmnt.com backslash George Mahoney. Get yours today. Welcome to another episode of 6 Minute Monday where I give you 6 tips and tricks to make you more efficient and effective in the weight room, the boardroom, and on a football field. Tip number 1. And this one was given to me by Rob Milianico. I went to go see him, I don't know, maybe a month and a half ago because I was completely and totally banged up again from data analytics. And he confirmed, 1. Uh, I definitely gave myself some form of nerve damage by the way I was sitting when I was totally engrossed and consumed by data analytics. And two, he gave me prescriptive movements, maybe prehab movements, I don't know, rehab movements to do every 15 to 20 minutes while I was doing data analytics so I could reset my body and get myself out of that misaligned state. So every 10 to 15 minutes when I'm engrossed in data analytics, I get up, I do the two or three prescriptive movements that he gave me to do. Uh, One was very simple. Because, you know, you're kind of looking at your computer or you're looking at your phone and your head is jutted forward. You basically stand up straight. You take your fingers. You put them on the bottom of your chin and you push your chin back. So your your head is going back over your shoulders and you're making a double chin with your fingers. So you're pushing your chin back. And as you're pushing it back, that little fatty part at the bottom of your chin goes up around your neck and you give yourself a double chin. So I do that about 20 times in between uh, every one of these 15 to 20 minute segments of what I'm doing. The other thing... I guess I would kind of call it a, a cobra stretch, but I'll just say that you're, imagine you're laying on the ground, chest is on the ground, feet are are flat on the floor, so that where your shoelaces of your foot would be if you had sneakers on is laying flat on the floor, chest is on the ground, and you're going to push yourself up, not like a full push-up where your hips are coming up off the ground, where just your chest is coming up off the ground, and your lower back, aka where your belly button, you'll say your belly button is staying down on the ground, that's, that's a lot easier to say, so your belly button stays on the ground, you're pushing yourself up, so just your chest and your stomach are coming off the floor, and I rep that out about 15 to 20 times. And then the third thing he gave me was some sort of DNS side like half kneeling side plank stretch where now I was just getting on my right side or my left side it didn't really matter put my right thumb on my right side put my right hand on the ground I bend my legs like I'm sitting in a chair that's pretty much the position I'm in my right knee is on the floor my right ankle is on the floor and then doing that I'm going to drive my knee into the ground and as I do that I want to pick up my right quad and my right hip off the ground. Those three movements have been game-changing because today, for the first time in about three months, again, I was able to sprint full speed. I was able to do my football agility drills. So thank you, Rob Milianico. If you guys are stuck, if you're in a rut, go see an expert. If you want to get in touch with somebody like Rob, let me know, and I will make that connection. Okay, tip number two, something I am experimenting with. Here's actually two tips that I'm going to give you. One, I am experimenting with using my left hand when using my mouse. This is supposed to be an exercise uh, 
podcast, but I'm telling you that I'm experimenting with using my left hand when I use a mouse. So one, it's I think it's actually going to help alleviate some of the overuse pain that I have in my right shoulder and my neck from constantly using my right hand with the mouse. And two, I am a firm believer that you have to constantly mix up your movements, like brush your teeth with your left hand, eat with your left hand, now use my mouse with my left hand to keep your brain active. I think there's a, some studies that say that you can actually prevent something like Alzheimer's if you're constantly changing the way that you're doing things between your right side and your left side of your body. So uh, I'm definitely not that good at it, but it is something that I am experimenting with. It has slowed down some of my work a little bit, but I think it's worth it for the overall long-term impact. The second thing that I am experimenting with, so you guys have heard me talk about RPR, that's Reflexive Performance Reset, and uh, I am experimenting with performing RPR with my Theragun. I'm a big fan of the Theragun. I probably have overused my Theragun too much, but I think I'm also a big fan of RPR, and my idea was just to combine the two things together where I can use the RPR gun, sorry, the Theragun, and use that to perform my RPR. It's just a... To me, it almost seems like a, a better way. It doesn't exhaust me as much. I don't give myself as many bruises because what I'm doing with my hand, I'm really digging in, uh, probably overdoing it as well. But I've do, done that for the last two weeks, and I have to admit, I feel completely and totally incredible. Okay, tip number three, a quote that I'm thinking about. I actually heard this from Dave Chappelle, and Dave Chappelle said, When the hero struggles, the cowards rejoice. I'll say that again. When the hero struggles, the cowards rejoice. And, and when you think about many things in life, you could see that people who are, I wouldn't call them cowards, call them whatever you want, but when they see someone who's doing great fall, they love it. When they see someone who whom other people might admire struggle, they love it. Rather than make their own way, rather than succeed on their own, they just like to see the demise of others. So a uh, great quote, Dave Chappelle. Okay, tip number four. It is a productivity tip. So the first of the two productivity tips I'm going to give you. The first tip is something called a one point lesson. So let's just say you work in an environment, there's a lot of people there, and you want to write a procedure. Well, guess what? No one's going to read that procedure. Or maybe you want to create some workflow that you want people to follow. Guess what? Nobody's going to follow it. People don't want to read. People don't want all these crazy workflows to follow. They just want simplicity. So what we've been using a lot is something called a one-point lesson. Essentially, it's one page. There's only one lesson on it. There's usually a picture of what to do on it. And at the top, we can add something like a funny poem or rhyme to gain their attention, right? You can do this for absolutely anything. So the point is, how do you catch their attention with the picture? They stop what they're doing. They look at that picture. And then that poem or rhyme or whatever can tell them exactly what to do while they're looking at that picture. Rather than write an entire 300-word essay on a page that nobody's going to read, they're not going to follow your instructions, again, take one point put it on that one page, make only one lesson at it, and have people only focus on one thing when they look at that page. It's called a one-point lesson. The funnier the picture, the more dramatic the picture, the more attention it's going to get because you know that most signs really don't work, but great signs do work. Great signs will work, and that one-point lesson is a great form of training. Having said that, the second tip with that is that when you use these one-point lessons, use them as just-in-time training so don't if a new uh, new operator comes into your facility or a new worker comes into your store, don't hand them 500 one-point lessons and say, this is how we do business. What you want to do is when it's the right time, when they come up with a certain defect or there's a certain situation, hand them that one-point lesson and say, here we go. So it will be called just-in-time training, not just-in-case training. If you hand them a stack of 500 one-point lessons 
and they read them all day one, they're never going to retain any of that information. They're going to be able to recall it. So when they see the situation, hand them that one-point lesson, and bang, now you have just-in-time training. Okay, tip number five, something that I'm watching that's moved me. There's been two things that's watching that's moved me. Thing number one, I, I'm about 10 minutes into it, and I really, to be honest, have not watched much TV because we are in football season, and I am, again, stupidly coaching two teams at the same time. Anyway, uh, and working. Not smart. Anyway, the two things that I, I've, I'm watching, the first thing was Spotify. I guess it's the origin of how Spotify started. I'm about five minutes into it. I really didn't watch that much. I'm not spoiling anything here, but the guy applies for a job at Google, doesn't get it, gets a rejection letter in his house. Guess what he does? Sticks the rejection letter on his wall, on his whiteboard, and then on his whiteboard, he's trying to figure out how he's going to create and sell his own business within six months. Now, uh, you might remember someone else who hug, hung rejection letters on his wall. Yeah, me. Rejection letters from Princeton. Rejection letter from Dartmouth. They are still hanging on my wall to this day. Unfortunately, I did not create and sell my own business within six months, but I still keep them up as motivation. The second thing that I watched that moved me was the Redeem Team on Netflix. It is about a U.S. Olympic team that I guess they brought together to redeem the failures of the previous Olympic team. And this, what really stuck out the most in this episode, or sorry, in this show, was that they originally did not have Kobe Bryant on this redeem team. So they were taking four years to make this team great and have them go win a gold medal, similar to what other Olympic teams did. I think in the past, the U.S. team, they, they got a bunch of all-stars, they put them together, but they didn't practice that long together. So originally, Kobe Bryant was not on this team. They bring him onto the team for his leadership, and maybe I'll digress for a little bit. He didn't really connect that much with everybody else, just because he seemed to be a little bit of a loner. But they are doing their training in Vegas. As the guys who are normal human beings do, they go out, they party, they have a sick time in Vegas, they go to clubs. They're coming in to whatever hotel they were staying at at 5 o'clock in the morning. As they're walking in, who do they see but Kobe Bryant, Kobe Bryant going to the gym? And they were like, wow, this guy's a dude. And he basically shamed them just by his actions to start doing the same thing. He, he didn't say to them, come to the gym. He just went to the gym. And the next thing you know, LeBron's going to the gym. The next thing you know, D. Wade's going to the gym. And now, pretty soon, the whole team's going to the gym at 5 o'clock in the morning. So I, I truly love that. Uh, I, I'm definitely not even one millionth the athlete that Kobe Bryant was. So I, I can't say anything like that. But I'd say in terms of mindset, in terms of you know being completely and totally dedicated to a cause... I'm there, especially when it comes to my fitness. And uh, I can only hope that even one person at advanced training was in some way, shape, or form influenced or shamed to train at the same level or the same consistency or the same uh, intensity that I've been training. Because I, I think it's sick. He, he didn't, I don't know if sure he meant to do it, but he did it, and he absolutely made those guys better just by shaming them into it. And also, that's why those guys are NBA All-Stars. That's why there's Olympians, because when they see that, they don't say, they don't make fun of him. They don't say, oh man, I give up. He's just working too much harder. They step up too. So that's the difference there, right? If you are somebody who gets disgusted by somebody you know who works out all the time or eats right, or you make fun of them for it, well then, you don't have what it takes to be even mentally, forget physically, mentally an Olympic athlete, mentally an NBA All-Star. You, you won't be great. You're just going to be a quitter. So Kobe Bryant, that's pretty sick. Okay, tip number six, the weirdest thing that I saw all week. There's actually two weird things, and they both involve, involve soccer. Uh, huh, maybe they both involve Owl Howell Field where we, we sprint. Anyway, I go sprinting last week, and there's two weird things. One, there, there's like an older 
there's a men's league that plays soccer. I guess it's just a bunch of friends. They're just recreational guys, and they go play soccer. But one of the goalies is in the goal that's about, I don't know, two feet wide, which I don't know why. I, a question I have is, why does the goal need to be so small? What is the point of making the goal that small? It's not like we're dealing with a, a, a team that's in FIFA, right, and everybody can score. I would go full goal, right? You're playing with your friends. Why not make the goal as big as possible as opposed to as small as possible? I don't get it. Maybe someone who plays soccer can tell me. But, and this is why I don't think it's even like, I don't know. I was just questioning the validity of how intense this game was. But these guys were really getting after it. But the goalie was uh, in jeans. The jeans were rolled up around the top of his knees. He had no shoes or socks on. And he was smoking a cigarette. So if you can do any of those things, let alone all three of those things, I feel like you're not really playing a sport. But this is somebody who got up probably like 7 o'clock on a cold fall day to go play soccer in jeans, no socks, no shoes. I'm all about barefoot training, but I'm sure in soccer it probably makes it a little smart to wear some shoes because I'm going to cleat this and step on you and uh, smoking a cigarette while he's in the goal. And the the second thing that I saw that was weird on another day Maybe it's the same day. Actually, it was the same day. On another field, there's kids about 8 to 10 years old, and there is some coach losing his mind on these kids and just screaming at them and berating them and basically just making them feel like garbage. I actually had to stop and watch because it was so I was so disgusted. I was on the verge of going to say something to the guy, and it was never coaching. It was just criticism. Like, what are you doing? Speed up. Get the ball. What are we doing? Not any technique, not any strategy, just yelling at little kids, right? These little kids who are, you know, they're trying to learn the game. Uh, from what I could see, then, like, they were dogging it or doing it. And I don't know enough about the game, but I, I played soccer, and I coached sports for 20-something years. I could tell these kids were not completely and totally being disobedient or, like, looking at butterflies. They were, they were trying their best from what I could see. And uh, it just really disgusted me that a... Uh, a grown person would take that time out of their own life to go yell at a bunch of 8 to 10 year old kids and horribly yell at them and not coach for a second and then I don't know just if you're going to do something if you're going to volunteer your time even if you're going to get paid for your time and you are developing young athletes then it's really not to me it's not it's not good for anybody if you're sitting there berating them coach them up give them skills give them actual coaching technique what are you doing is not going to help anybody Right, wake up is not going to help anybody. You got to give them coaching while they're playing, so that they can actually get themselves better. And honestly, to be honest, I don't think it's going to help anybody. Forget about young kids, professional athletes, whoever. I don't know if any of that is going to help anyone. You need to coach these kids up. So I don't know. For the rare chance, if that coach is listening, just do some coaching. Lighten up, man. These eight to ten year old kids. Teach them the game. If they if they miss a goal, it's not the end of the world. All right, people, that is it. Enjoy your six-minute Monday. Hopefully I get back to this soon, but uh, probably not because we are starting the playoffs. All right, bye. This episode is brought to you by ProPulse Speed Trainers, created by the mad scientist himself, David Weck. Now, in my 20-plus years of evaluating athletes, there was always one thing, one thing that I could look at and tell you if this athlete was going to be sick or if they were going to be in our coordinated mess. And I could tell you that in about five seconds. And what was it? 
It was the way their upper bodies moved in sync with their lower bodies. If they were in complete and total sync, I knew the athlete was going to be sick. You've always heard, look at this guy's arm angles. Look at the way the violent arm action, the way this guy runs. Well, those were always the best athletes. Now, what David Weck did is he created these little miniature weights that are about 12 ounces each that you can hold in your hand. And inside of those weights, he has these little beads. And when you run and when you move, when you're pumping those arms, when those weights are pumping those arms, you can actually hear with those beads if you are on the right rhythm. It's actually sending a signal to your brain to say, yep. I am in pace, I am in rhythm, and it will instantly get your upper body and lower body in sync. If you want to become like Michael Jordan, Randy Morse, LeBron James, Derek Jeter, watch these guys run, watch their sick arm angles, get yours today. Go to shop.weckmethod.com. That's shop, W-E-C-K, that's weckmethod.com. Put in the code WMA270. Again, that's WMA270. It will get you 10% off of any item that you buy. Go and get yours today.